somewhere deep within all of us lies a darkness, some place that entices us to be less than we might otherwise aspire to be. It's part and parcel of being human, I guess. But it turns out that people aren't the only things thus afflicted, as in the case of the bad pie. With great solemnity last week, we traveled to Madeline Island for the last time this season. It is always a bittersweet journey, as we are alternately excited about arguably the best time of year on the island. No bugs, no grass to cut, no heat to beat, nice fires to keep us warm. And sad about the four months hiatus we'll take during the winter. No skiing in the deep woods, no waist-high drifts to waddle through, no snowshoeing through remarkable quiet. To help ease the pain while celebrating the seasons again, we bought a pie. It's not something that we often do, but our favorite stop on the way north had a display of freshly made pies just inside the front door to their shop. And these weren't your run-of-the-mill desserts, no. These were bona fide, freshly made pies to tease even the most moderate deserter. Fresh apple, creamy French silk with caramel and sea salt, cinnamon-clad pumpkin, Saliva got the better of our judgment, and by the time Katie and Nikki came back to the car, we were the proud temporary owners of two pies. I admit to a restless drive the rest of the way to Madeline, such was my craving for pie. For evening dessert, I would have been ecstatic to gulp a piece of the apple pie, but I was voted down this night in favor of the aforementioned French silk caramel sea salt. I think it might have been the three-inch high whipped cream-like topping that called to the others. Altogether, a full slice of the delectable stood nearly five inches high, tall enough to dwarf any plate in our house. For just a moment, all three of us paused to behold what should have been the sweetest moment of the season on Madeline. And then we forked in. Nikki was the first to react. The look on her face should have served as due warning for me to immediately put down my fork and seek further clarification about her discomfort. But the lure of the chocolate and the caramel and all that creamy topping superseded all warnings to the contrary. The initial bite was enough to hide all tines of my fork, and once I took it in, I waited for the expected confluence of sweetness and salt and creamy texture. Instead, I spit it out back onto my plate. Rarely have I tasted any kind of food so noxious. After a thorough rinsing of my mouth and the obligatory exclamations of injury, I stated the obvious. There's something wrong with that pie. Nikki was already in recovery mode, having neutralized any lingering taste with several swigs from an unfinished beer. Katie had just begun to sample the stuff before I could stop her. Her response was more muted than mine, but condemnatory nonetheless. Her question embodied the obvious. What flavor is this pie supposed to be? 
That question remains unanswered to this day and is perhaps better left so. Following a suitable period of revival, we turned our attention from triage to studying the pie. It certainly looked French silky. We could see the caramel. We gathered closely. It even smelled the way such a pie should smell, offering no hint of toxins or errant spices. In fact, everything appeared so normal that I convinced myself that the rest of the pie must be fine, that the few bites we had experienced were somehow aberrations to this otherwise perfect confection. Boldly, I tried it again, this time sampling from the other side of the pie. The result was the same. What might have been present in the form of sea salt to balance the caramel had fully overtaken that side of the pie and the result sensation was akin to what you might experience after loading a glass of milk with kosher salt. Fortunately, having anticipated a possible replay of the first bite, I was standing near the sink, which received a forceful expectoration. I know that life is full of disappointments. I fully understand that things do not always turn out the way that I wish or envision. But the discovery of a pie that in some way had gone bad conveyed several layers of discouragement. Not only did I miss out on a dessert, but an expected near perfect one at that. Not only was my money spent frivolously on something purely unnecessary, but I didn't even receive the pleasure of its conspicuous consumption. In one transaction, I experienced all the guilt and none of the satisfaction of discretionary spending. All that anticipation wasted. My brother and his wife visited the next day. We related to them the crushing disappointment of the prior evening, and my brother bravely boasted that he was crazy about French silk pie, and also pretty much immune to unusual tastes. We offered him a taste and quickly proved to him that his claims were much exaggerated about his immunity. It struck me that serving such a pie as this to future guests would be a good way to ensure that they never returned. Nikki eventually contacted the pie purveyor with our tale of distress. The manager there was fully empathetic, although when he stated that he was sorry that, quote, the pie did not meet your culinary expectations, unquote, I thought he was protecting himself a bit. Maybe in case we all died from food poisoning. He was happy to offer a full refund, which in this case, we happily accepted. There is no moral lesson to this tale, unless it might be that I should never give in to food temptations, or that even something as perfect and desirable as a pie can turn bad. I had a hard time sleeping that night, not from indigestion, but from recalling all the ways that I, like the pie, might have disappointed the hungry. <laughs>